It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway or Kyrie when he make a trade. And nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales Packard and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I want to thank you for making us part of your regular routine. We're here for you every week, as often as we need to be in this offseason, and I know the people demand a podcast today, so I'm going to deliver a podcast today. We couldn't get all of the Rain and Jays together, so I, John Corrales, will be talking to you about the developments today in the, uh, I guess, weird, crazy NBA free agency that brought DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors and almost to Boston. So there's a lot to break down, and we will continue to break this down throughout the week. So let's just get to this. DeMarcus Cousins went to the Golden State Warriors, for a one-year mini mid-level uh, $5.3 million deal. That's nuts in and of itself. And so let's unpack, first of all, Boogie going to Golden State. Boogie is coming off of an Achilles injury. He may not ever be the same player that he was. The fact that he went to the Warriors on a $5.3 million mini mid-level taxpayer mid-level deal is insane on its own merits because uh, New Orleans tried to re-sign him. Uh, New Orleans probably played a little bit of hardball and I don't know the details, but their offer must have been insanely low, but DeMarcus Cousins is, if nothing else, extraordinarily petty, and I'm sure he could have gotten $5.3 million from anybody. I'm sure he could have gotten more than that, twice that, maybe three times that in New Orleans, but because he didn't like what they were doing, now he's a member of the Golden State Warriors. Now, of course... We don't know what he's going to be coming off of the Achilles injury, but him going to the Warriors, even if he's half of the boogie that we know, that's better than the JaVale McGee that they lost to the Lakers. So it's hard to process exactly what this means for the NBA other than next season the Warriors are 
probably, by the time the playoffs roll around, going to be at least as good as they were and potentially significantly better than they were last year when they had a pretty, well, okay, I was going to say a pretty easy road to the finals. I, I shouldn't say that because the Rockets, if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. A lot of people will argue that the Rockets could have beaten the, the the Warriors. But at the same time, it it wasn't a guarantee. But I'll be fair. The, the Warriors, who ended up sweeping their way through the finals, added to Marcus Cousins, who, if he's anywhere close to his best, is an all-star caliber player. So this is at least... I think concerning to the general NBA fan because Boogie had an opportunity to go anywhere in the NBA and he took basically the least amount of money he could have made and he went to the best possible team he could have gone to. And I think it might be a giant middle finger to the Pelicans because the Pelicans didn't give him everything he wanted. So he's going to go for one season, potentially make the greatest team in the NBA, significantly better. The thing about that is the Celtics offered him more money and he turned it down to go to the Warriors. And I'm not entirely upset that he turned the Celtics down. I've never been a big fan of having DeMarcus Cousins on my team. And I'm sure Jay and Sam or maybe the three of us, I don't know how we're going to get everybody together for a podcast moving forward to talk about this, but maybe they have different opinions. I've never been a boogie guy. I've never really entirely wanted boogie on my team. I think this scenario highlights the level of real emotional pettiness and We've talked about pettiness on this podcast before, and we've loved the pettiness of Isaiah Thomas and Jake Crowder before, but this is pettiness at an extreme level. I'm not sure I'm willing to have this level of pettiness on my team. Look, Boogie makes the Warriors better regardless, no matter what fraction of his former self that he is. I guess for this particular Celtics team, I'm not enthralled by the idea of having him and his mindset on this team. So I'm not upset that he didn't make it to Boston. I'm not upset that he's on the Warriors. But at the same time, there's this holy shit factor that DeMarcus Cousins, an all-star last year before the injury, is going to the goddamn Warriors. Like, Jesus Christ, enough with this. But there's nothing that the NBA can do to stop it. So, DeMarcus Cousins is a member of the Warriors. He could have been a member of the Celtics. Even for one year, I suppose you could argue that for one year, they would deal with it. But, whatever. Now, the biggest question is, the the Pelicans have lost Cousins. The Pelicans have lost Rajon Rondo to the Lakers, who have basically created for one year at least the most hilarious team I've I've remembered. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But for now, the Pelicans have Anthony Davis, 
who just lost Boogie, who just lost Rondo, the two guys who brought the Pelicans back to relevance, even after Boogie's injury, it was Rondo and Davis who made a a playoff run, who got past Portland, who made waves, and really, for Anthony Davis, was a bit of promise. They're both gone. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. So for Anthony Davis, what does that mean? Can can he be traded? Should he be traded? Will he ask for a trade? Well, the thing about Anthony Davis from a Boston perspective, and I know everybody's saying, well, let's just go all in on Anthony Davis. A couple of things here. He's under contract for the next two years, and then... In the third year, he's got a player option. So next year, he's under contract for $25 million, $25.5. In 2019-20, he's under contract guaranteed for $27 million. And then in 2020-21, almost $29 million. The thing about Anthony Davis is that he signed that previous contract under the Rose Rule. And a lot of people have been asking about the Rose Rule. Kyrie Irving was also signed under the Rose Rule. And under NBA rules, you can only have one player that you have traded for who has been signed under the Rose Rule on your roster. So, while we, while the Boston Celtics should be looking at Anthony Davis and kicking the tires on that, if if Boston trades midseason for Anthony Davis, it has to include Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is not signing an extension. Kyrie Irving in 2018-19 is on a contract that has been signed under the Rose Rule. So, because Boston has 
one player they've traded for who has been signed under the Rose Rule unless they get rid of Kyrie Irving in a trade for Anthony Davis. They cannot bring in Anthony Davis to play with Kyrie Irving in a trade this year. So, trade deadline deal for Anthony Davis that does not include Kyrie Irving is not permissible under league rules. However, because Anthony Davis is under contract for the 2018-19 season, which we're going into, and the 2019-20 season, New Orleans can hold on to him. The Celtics can negotiate with the Pelicans and work out a deal next summer when Kyrie Irving opts out and the Celtics sign Kyrie Irving to a new deal. Then he's on a contract that's not a Rose Rule contract. Then that eliminates that. And then they can trade for Anthony Davis. So, that to me makes a two-year Marcus Smart. Yes, I'm going on my two-year Marcus Smart contract, beating the drum of this deal. A two-year Marcus Smart contract at 10 to $12 million, even more sensible. That makes it even more sensible because if you sign him for two more years, then you get him next summer at that number, makes it easier to match, match the contract. And then, then, next July, that's when you go for Anthony Davis. So, unless the Celtics are willing to trade Kyrie Irving midseason for Anthony Davis, do not get yourself worked up for an Anthony Davis deal. It's not going to happen. The Celtics are much better off waiting till the summer, sign Kyrie Irving to a new deal, make sure you have Marcus Smart locked up for a couple of years, then you can have Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and other players or Al Horford, whatever, however it works out. However it works out, Anthony Davis is a different animal, different animal than Kyrie, uh, than uh, Kawhi Leonard. It's just a different situation. We'll see. But it's not going to happen at the trade deadline unless Kyrie Irving is involved in a trade to New Orleans. So let's, I just want to put this out there so everybody understands the situation. Boogie's gone. Rondo's gone. Everybody's going to wonder if, if Anthony Davis wants out, unless the Celtics give up Kyrie Irving in a trade deadline type deal, they cannot have Kyrie and Anthony Davis on the same roster at the same time in the 2018-19 season. They're going to have to wait until Kyrie opts out and signs a new contract in the summer of 2019 so he's no longer on a Rose Rule contract to bring in Anthony Davis. So let's just, I just want to throw that out there so everybody understands what the situation is. Again, we're going to get into more of this when Sam and Jay get into the podcast and we'll have more reaction. So until then, I want to give you guys my reaction to the rest of free agency, LeBron, Rondo, everything else 
what the Celtics might do with their mid-level, everything. When I was on the uh, on 98.5, the Sports Hub, I did a radio hit with them. So check this out. We get into all of everything, uh, free agency, the Celtics, and this was done before the Boogie Cousins deal, but it involves all that other stuff, what the Lakers have done with, with uh, LeBron, signing all the guys that they've signed, what that means, what that means for the Kawhi Leonard situation, what that means for the Celtics, what the Celtics might do with their mid-level. So check this out, and we'll talk about more in a minute. All right, back here, 98 Father Sports Hub. I'm Joe Murray, in for Adam Jones tonight. A lot of stuff happening when it comes to the NBA and free agency. It was a big day yesterday. Maybe a, uh, a Magic Monday? Magic Monday? Maybe something else dropping today? I-, I feel like the Lakers are not done yet. They are not done yet, and I think a big move is happening soon. I don't know if it's Kawhi. But I think a big move is happening soon. I don't think Magic's done yet. But for more on the NBA and what's happening with the Celtics, we turn to John Corrales of Red's Army. And, John, uh, you know, a busy day yesterday. I think the the biggest move, obviously, is LeBron James, uh, you know, going to L.A. And a couple of guys stayed home. Paul George staying home. Chris Paul staying home. But uh, overall, your thoughts on LeBron James going to the Lakers? Uh, Well, I think it's clear that him going to the Lakers isn't necessarily – a basketball first move. Like it's super interesting that I, I think this is a, a much bigger life kind of move for him that he's just doing what's best for him, his business, his family and, and things that are beyond uh, basketball only. Like when he went to Miami, that was a chance to load up with a bunch of stars and go win multiple titles. Going back to Cleveland, he was going back home and now he's just kind of setting himself up. I think taking that four-year deal, he's 32. He, this, is, this might be his last or second-to-last contract in the NBA. He made a long-term commitment. So I don't think it's a win-now move, which makes the Lakers' moves now really interesting because I don't think they're trying to win this year either. So it's super interesting that he made that decision. Interesting that I, I think this is a, a much bigger life kind of move for him that he's just doing what's best for him, his business, his family, and, and things that are beyond uh, basketball only. Like when he went to Miami, that was a chance to load up with a bunch of stars and go win multiple titles. Going back to Cleveland, he was going back home, and now he's just kind of setting himself up. I think taking that four-year deal, he's 32. He, this, is, this might be his last or second-to-last contract in the NBA he made a long-term commitment, so I don't think it's a win-now move, which makes the Lakers' moves now really interesting because I don't think they're trying to win this year either. So it's super interesting that he made that decision. So the biggest thing for me was the fact that he signed for four years. Like, I, yeah. Obviously, we know about some of the moves, and I'll ask you about them in a minute here, but four years means that, hey, if it's not this year, hey, Kawhi, next year. Uh, maybe Anthony Davis down the line, who knows, but – He's in it for the long haul. We know he left Cleveland twice, and they sucked when he left. We know that Miami wasn't the same when he left. This shows that he's committed to the Lakers, and I think that that's probably going to bring more players to L.A. than, let's say, Boston or another destination. Well, I think that, yeah, he's shown that he is probably more likely than not going to retire as a member of the the L.A. Lakers, which is wild. He's always had these, these one-plus-one deals where he's maintained flexibility, but, you know, it, it does show that, 
with a commitment to L.A., they can make these moves that a bunch of one-year deals, like you mentioned, and all of these guys can go away next year. They can have all of their cap space. Kawhi Leonard, they, they, that gives them a little bit of leverage in the Kawhi Leonard talks because they can say, you know what? We're in no rush. We've got this long-term commitment. We don't have to give up assets. We can keep Brandon Ingram, and we can add Kawhi. We can just let him walk into our cap space next year. I think Clay Thompson is available next year. There's another guy that you can add. Now you're talking about a premier shooter to add around LeBron James. Now you're starting to build a, a legitimate winner. So the moves that were made today are kind of funny. Like it, It's going to be a hilarious year for the Lakers, but I think long-term they have a plan, and it's not this coming year, but LeBron could play out his career as, at least as a challenger to Golden State and, and the Rockets. Hey, John, what are your thoughts of uh, Rajon Rondo's signing with the L.A. Lakers? Oh, my God. This is the best. I mean, Rondo with Lance Stevenson and, you know, Lonzo Ball and the Ball family. Wow. And LeBron. Like, it's just everything is so perfect. I know I'm a Celtics guy, but, like, the Lakers this year are probably going to be my second favorite team. And I say that in full confidence, knowing that I'm just going to point and laugh at them for an entire season. But it's really going to be must-watch TV. The Balls wanted a reality show. They got one this season in Los Angeles. That, that's, a, that's a great point. That's going to be a, a must-watch. And now we're going to have to stay up late, right? We're going to have to stay up until 9.30, 10.30 to, uh, to watch all these games. <laughs> we got uh, John Corrales of Red's Army on the line today. Uh, so I ask you, the uh, biggest winner with LeBron James going uh, to the L.A. Lakers, who is the biggest winner? Uh, would you say overall, in, in the end, is the biggest? Right now, the biggest winner is the Boston Celtics, at least in the short term. You've got Now, I think last year a healthy Celtics team with Gordon Hayward and, and Kyrie Irving would have beaten that Cavs team. But regardless, it's another obstacle. You don't know, you know when LeBron's not in your conference, it's a big-time obstacle. So the Celtics clearly become the biggest winner in the very short term because now they have to be looked at as the favorites to come out of the East. You get not only Gordon Hayward back, who I think people are forgetting – how good Gordon Hayward is, and I think he's improved his jump shot during the injury, the recovery to his, in, his uh, ankle injury. I think he's going to come back a much better shooter with Kyrie. Another year of Jason Tatum improving. I think Jalen Brown is, is going to come back even better. They are clearly the favorites. Philly doesn't have all of its pieces yet. They're probably a year or two away. Toronto, I think, is just a mess after what happened last, last season in the playoffs, getting swept by the Cavs. So I don't even know if Toronto, that team that starts the season, is going to be the team that finishes the season. So the Celtics are, at this point, the clear number one in the East. So, John, I feel like my biggest winner is Kyrie Irving in this. I mean, he wanted out a year early. He knew LeBron was going to leave. He's coming to the Celtics. He have a chance. He has a chance now to to go for a championship. There's not many people in his way, and I don't know. You mentioned the Celtics might be the biggest winners. Do you think now that LeBron's in Cleveland, Kyrie may want to stay in Boston long term? Well, you know, Kyrie's such a weird dude, man. I, I don't know. Conventional wisdom says yes, he should because the Celtics can give him everything a basketball player should want: a winning culture, uh, opportunities to win multiple titles five-year max extension at, at the, the most possible money. I mean, all of the, the natural things that you would want in that situation can be had in Boston. But Kyrie is not your conventional type of guy. So it's hard for me to say what he wants. Will he – if the Celtics win a championship next season, 
Will he say, hey, I've climbed this mountain, and now I'm off to my next challenge? If they don't win a championship next season, does that make him want to leave? I can't get into Kyrie's head. I don't think anybody can get into Kyrie's head. So it's so hard to say. My inclination, though, is he seems satisfied, and intellectually and basketball-wise, he seems satisfied in Boston. So I would say there's a greater probability that he stays. But, you know, like I said, who knows, man? He, he might just say, I want to go home and play, play for the Knicks and just, just be happy at home. That, that's, that's possible, too. Hey, John, just staying on that Celtics uh, and LeBron leaving, what are your expectations now for the Celtics? Like, is it one championship, two championships? What are your expectations, and would there be a letdown, considering there's no real competition? Maybe the Sixers, maybe somebody else comes over, but in the end, what are your expectations for this Celtics bunch? Well, look, you still have to deal with Golden State. Houston is still, you know, pretty damn good, although losing Ariza does hurt them a bit, and you just don't know what kind of durability Chris Paul is going to have. But they're still a challenger, so it depends a lot on what the Golden State Warriors end up being. Are they complacent? Does Durant end up leaving? Does, does he find some sort of uh, pleasure in going to a different team? I don't know. But you still have to deal with the Warriors. So I, I do think the Celtics, with their defense uh, and their, their additional uh, offense with, with Hayward, they can challenge the Warriors. I think they can win a couple for sure. Uh, it, it depends, obviously, Kyrie staying, uh, Horford staying uh, long-term, and, and Tatum and Brown kind of developing along the path that we see them, we hope. I definitely think the Celtics can win at least one maybe two titles in, in the course of this. Look, Philly's going to get better. They're going to have something to say about it. There's a good chance that Milwaukee is going to be better, and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is just going to be too much of a, a megastar, and he could be the next challenge like LeBron has been. So I can't say that they're going to dominate like the Warriors did. They're on a path. I, I could see them winning uh, two or three in a row maybe at some point, but uh, I think it's much more likely that they'd win one, maybe two, which would be great. It would be absolutely great. And, and, and listen, we, we don't love that. You know, one, they only got one with the last big three. It should have been two. Uh, just with, with no one else in the Eastern Conference here, I, I definitely have high expectations. Talking with John Corrales of Red's Army. i got to ask you, uh, they know they signed Aaron Baines. They still have the mid-level available. Do you think they use that? Any players you think could be available there? And then also, Marcus Smart. It looks like the market's starting to close on him a little bit. Yeah, for Marcus Smart, this is pretty much exactly how we kind of Everybody saw this coming. The, the market for him was never going to be great this year. Uh, the, the biggest threat to signing him away was probably going to be the Pacers, and they've spent their money. So I don't think that he's going to be getting a ton of offers. Uh, somebody could swoop in, though. You never know. Uh, I think it's much more likely that he and the Celtics hammer something out. I have been beating the drum when it comes to Smart for a two-year deal. I think it just makes a lot of sense because in a couple of years, that, uh, the salary cap jumps up to $116 million. It's at 101 right now. So two years, it'll go up by $15 million. If Smith signs a two-year deal, wins a title in Boston or two, that only magnifies his winning plays, quote-unquote. And it just it makes sense to me that he could come back on a two-year deal somewhere north of $20 million. It just works for everybody all around. Uh, I don't think if, if they bring Smart back, I just don't think there's urgency to sign anybody else because you've got your starters now and you've got Smart and Rozier and Marcus Morris still off the bench. You've got 
Baines, who will probably come off the bench. I don't know. Uh, you've got a pretty deep bench as it is. You're going to be playing nine, ten guys. I think uh, unless they are anticipating making a move with Rozier or Smart and, and a guy, I, I just don't see them kind of using that mid-level. They could hold mid-level and out market and have money to spend that way. I mean, that's something that I think we need to consider. When the buyout market hits later in the season and the Celtics kind of gauge where they are in the East, and they could look for another shooter or another big, another wing, if somebody gets hurt, some flexibility to have that mid-level kind of hanging there. And then if somebody gets bought out, they'll have potentially up to $8 million to spend to use that then so they could outbid teams in the buyout market. So I can see Danny Ainge maintaining his flexibility in that way. All right, he is uh, John Corrales of Reds Army. John, excellent analysis. Appreciate having on, uh, coming on tonight, man, and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up uh, during this off. We always love the offseason. The NBA offseason never stops, John. Appreciate your time tonight. No, man, you got it. You got it, man. Good stuff. All right, that's uh, John Corrales of Reds Army. Check him out. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, at Reds Army underscore John does a uh, solid job. Love John there. Corrales. Good guest. Great writer. Awesome uh, stuff. Interesting stuff there he mentioned. Uh, I want to get into some of that on the other side regarding the Lakers. Could they be your second favorite team now? Hmm. <laughs> I think so. So that's my take on free agency so far. Of course, that radio hit was done right before the Boogie Cousins deal, but I, re- I really do believe that the Celtics will, will not use their full mid-level uh, until the uh, buyout market comes along because, again, just like last year with the injury exception to Gordon Hayward, this is kind of like the same situation. They have a full mid-level. They don't have have to use it right away. They can carry it into the season. If they don't use it, they can use that exception to outbid other teams on the buyout market. When you have a full roster, a full situation where you can go into the season just saying, we're going to start Kyrie and Hayward and Tatum and Brown and Horford, and you have Baines coming off the bench and Marcus uh, Marcus Morris coming off the bench and Rozier coming off the bench, and who knows, maybe Ojale and Tice and Yabuselli can be players that contribute. You have a full 9, 10, 11 player rotation. You can wait until the buyout market, see if there are any injuries, see if there are any needs. You can carry that exception into that part of the season and outbid teams if you need to do that. So I think that makes the most sense. So that's my take. I'm going to leave it at that. We'll get into much more analysis when we talk more tomorrow with the rest of the guys, more opinion, more breakdown, but I want to get something out there so you guys could have something to hang your hats on. There's a lot that's been going on, and I really wanted to explain the Rose Rule as best as I could. So if you have enjoyed this, please subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are everywhere podcasts exist, so go find Locked On Celtics. Search Locked On Celtics everywhere you get your podcast. If you are a subscriber, this Look, I'm doing this for you guys, so it's worth five stars. It's worth a good rating. Make sure you let people know because that helps us rise in the rankings and it spreads the word. And if you share the podcast, then people know they should be listening to us. The Locked On Celtics podcast. 
here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.